Hello and welcome to the Encounter Mercy Podcast. I'm Vince and we have here Father Andy. Good to see you again, Vince. How you doing? Good. Saturday afternoon. Can't beat it. Can't beat it at all. Just to be nicer if it was a little warmer, but... Uh, I think, yeah, I think it was 26 degrees whenever I went to Sheets to grab lunch. It's cold. It's a little cold. Can't <laughs> More than I... Well, yeah, I, I'm tired of this well, weather. How warm is it in the Holy Land? You're... Ah, let me, let me look that up. Cause you know what? That's a very good question. I, I'm curious as people are listening, I've already been there, but <laughs> hopefully that it'll be nice and warm for us. Cause as far as I know, let's see here. Well, it is 50 degrees right now. Nice. But That's... it's also, it's also nighttime. Okay. So 50, well, 50 at night's gonna be perfect. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. So tomorrow it looks like they're going to have a high of 65. So Two weeks from now, I know we're breaking the fourth wall again. I'm good at that. But two weeks from now when I'm there, it should probably be around 70 during the day. Nice. That's going to be beautiful. I'm going to be like when I was in Florida. Yeah. 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 Today we're going to talk about vocations. And I know most people, when they think of vocations, they think of vocations to the priesthood. And that is extremely important because as you know, of all people, there's a huge shortage of priests, especially in the United States. But vocations isn't just for the priesthood. No. It can be for, you know, religious life. It could be for, you know, whether you want, you're going to be a mother or a father or a husband or a wife. Uh, yeah. There's so many things that vocations kind of fall into. And we often, one that we overlook um, is the single life. Yeah. So that's, oh, yeah, that's a vocation too. And it doesn't absolutely. mean you have to be in a religious order to be a part of the single life. Sure. So we, we forget that, you know, some people are called um, not to be married. And but that doesn't mean they're called to live separate from the world in a uh, you know in a cloister or even semi cloistered life. It means that they're called to live alone. But another way we can look at vocations too is um, you know you can be uh, doing a job, but that job could also be your vocation. Um, so you know you have a police officer; they could be just doing it for the money, or it could be part of their vocation. Right, it's something that they've been they felt like they were called to do. Right. Just like, and I know a lot of people in the military feel that way. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, so let's talk about your vocation. Sure. So, you know, I'm, as a lot of people would say, I'm abnormal, which doesn't surprise me. Um, <laughs> and so when it comes to my vocation story, you know, I've always wanted to be a priest. I always felt called to the priesthood. And um, how old were you when you first knew that that's what you wanted to do? Oh, gosh. You really should bring my mom on for that one. Uh, she tells a story. I don't know how old I was, maybe five or six, but um, she tells of how. So, all right, when we were at church and I was a kid, she always would put me on the like the uh, armrest of the pew in front of her when she was kneeling. Okay. So I never faced the altar. I always faced her. I know it's weird, but uh, she said to me that I said to her one day, mom, when I'm a priest, you're gonna have to come visit me in my rectory. So, I mean, for years. So since you were five. At least. Okay. I mean, there's a story in my family. Uh, my aunt, Teresa, told the night before I entered seminary. And I may have shared this once before, but um, so my great-grandmother, Sophie uh, Mrzynski, who was a Shubasheski in the originally. So she was a good Polak, a good Polish woman. Uh, she lived to be a month from her 100th birthday. And she uh, came, so I was born in Warren, Pennsylvania. And after I was born, uh, she came down with my aunt and my grandmother um, and they came to visit. And she walks into the hospital room that mom and I are in and she says, oh, Marty. My mother looks and says, no, grandma, his name is Andrew. No, his name is Marty. 
So until she died, you know, she called, she knew me as Marty. And in fact, you know, when we went to visit, I'd have to go into the room first at the nursing home because I'd have to go in and say, Graham, it's Marty. And then she remembered everybody in the family. Why, why Marty? No idea. Still haven't figured it out. Nobody has any idea why Marty, but I was Marty. But the other thing she said that day was um, she walked out of the hospital room with my aunt and she said, Teresa, he's going to be a priest. My aunt never told anyone that. She never told a soul. So no one in the family knew this story until the night before I started seminary. Wow. So, you know, if if you want to believe in the, the good Polacks, the good Polish grandmothers, you know, uh, maybe always I was just destined to be a priest, you know. Um, but in my personal experience, in my personal life, I always wanted to be a priest. I always wanted to be a priest. I always had that tendency towards that. And certain people have that in their lives. And certain people have those kinds of um, experiences in their lives where they feel called to that way of life, right? So like, for instance, my mother, she always wanted to help people. She always wanted to help people. And um, she talks about uh, how when my uncle, her youngest brother came home, that's when she decided that she wanted to help ladies who were pregnant and about to give birth. And so now she's a nurse midwife and she's been doing that for over 20 years. So, you know, you get these experiences in life that kind of trigger you or, or kind of guide you to it. Sure. Like, and, for example, my, my I, I feel like probably, uh, excuse me, I can't talk. Uh, a lot like your mother, uh, I always wanted to serve and help people. And absolutely. You know, why I was in the fire department and loved that and EMS and now law enforcement and uh, it's something that it's just near and dear to me and I don't do it for money because most of that time is volunteer Yeah, and my law enforcement's part-time doesn't pay anything near what my full-time job does. But, um, you know, that's what I feel like I'm called to do. Yeah. Um, you know, as also, you know, to be a father, I want 10 kids. My wife, <laughs> I think she's done after maybe the next one. Yeah. Three. Yeah. And I can understand why, as we were talking before we were recorded here, my son was, up for three and a half hours last night yeah. in the middle of the night because he's sick. And uh, yeah, I can't imagine doing that with 10 kids. That's, that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. But yeah, no, so, I mean, so vocations, when we talk about vocations, you're right. A lot of people immediately are jumping to priesthood and religious life, um, but it goes much further than that. It goes into how is the Lord calling you to serve him right, in a greater way? And um, that can be, uh, played out in religious life or priesthood or the diaconate or married life, but it can all, it has to go further than that. Sure, it could just be as, be as simple as volunteering at the soup kitchen. Maybe yeah. that's something that you're you feel called to do, and that's you, every weekend or once a month or whatever it is, you go down there and you help feed the homeless. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's important to pay attention to those things because the Lord is calling us to do His will, not yes. our own. Right. You know, I could be a priest. I could be a horrible priest mm-hmm. because I'm not focusing on the will of God. I'm not sure. focusing on what He sure. wants me to do in uh, my life. But if I'm focusing on His will and doing what He wants, you know, we pray that that would, you know, hopefully I could be a halfway decent priest or right. you could be a halfway decent father as long as we try to do the Lord's will and not our own. Exactly. And so I guess, how do you discern that God's will instead of, your own will. Absolutely. And, uh, and I'm going to take a guess and just kind of say if, if, if it, whatever it is when you're reflecting upon what you're doing, if it sounds selfish, it's probably not God's will. Yeah. 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 Or that would definitely be part of it. If it's going against God's word, mm-hmm. then it's probably not God's will. But uh, let's 
I mean, try to maybe some tips on how sure. to discern that because I know I have a hard time with that. It can be very difficult, you know, especially in our world where um, the sounds, you know, we're constantly listening to things, we're constantly hearing things from outside uh, influences. And so it can be very difficult sometimes to um, discern what's God's word versus what's coming from either my heart that is not focused on him, or maybe it's coming from society that's focused on, uh, you know, pleasure or any of that kind of stuff. So we really have to, first off, we need to have a spiritual life, an internal spiritual life. And, uh, you know, there's so many different ways that we can go about doing that. Um, talking about that, the prayer, obviously focusing in our prayer. Um, if you can't quiet yourself, you won't be able to notice the little quiet whispers. And so it, trying to find at least, if you're starting out five minutes a day to be silent and true silence, I mean, put this thing down, you know, throw it away, get rid of it, or, um, you know, being quiet truly where you're not paying attention to anything else but the silence that's around you. And that's that's so important. That's mm -hmm. so important. I think often we try to fill up all of our empty space with something. There, well, yeah, it's it, we've kind of been conditioned that if there is silence, you need to start scrolling. Yeah. Uh, if you need to check out of conversation because you're bored, you need to start scrolling. Yep. It's every, that's, it's, it's, there's a report that you get now if you have an iPhone on how much screen time you've had in a week. Yeah. And, and we've talked about this. Yeah. Mine's gone up since we started this podcast because I'm doing a whole lot of social media because of it. But um, it's tempting. It's very it tempting. It is. It is. And sometimes I find myself sitting on the couch by myself after the family's gone to bed. Instead of going, turning around, literally getting off the couch and turning yeah. around and going to my little home altar, I'm sitting there scrolling through Facebook or Instagram yeah. or watching YouTube videos. Uh, and it's hard. It is. It's not easy. And, and even as a priest, you know, I can, I find myself in the same situation. Sure. So it's not like we're alone on that. So, you know, trying to force yourself in the beginning, it truly is forcing yourself to offer up some time for prayer. But, you know, as I've, as I say to people that are trying to overcome something, it takes 21 days to make a habit. Now, let's say you're on day 20 of, you're making this habit of, you're going to spend five minutes of silence a day. And then uh, day 20, you fall. Well, it's not, you pick yourself back up on day 21. All right, I made, no, no, no. You, right. you start back at day one. Yep. So um, it's going to take, it's going to take time. It's going to take uh, energy. It's going to take focus. We're going to have to really pay attention. And so taking that time to focus on your prayer life or on a relationship, because that's what it is. That's what we're mm -hmm. trying to build up is this relationship with God. Or you can't think of it as a friend. You can't build a relationship with a friend if you don't spend time with them. If yeah. You don't talk to them. If you don't listen to them, uh, it's the same as talking to God. Absolutely. Make that time. And I, you know, one thing I found that really helps because it is hard at being a father of two, you know, working full-time job, having a part-time job, doing this podcast on top of that. Um, is sometimes like when I'm working out in between sets. Yeah. It, it, it sometimes I'm just like I'm, I'm out of breath, but it it helps. I yeah. Mean, they're like I'll I'll go through I'll open up my uh, Laudate, Laudate, yeah. Laudate. I can't pronounce anything. Laudate. Laudate. I'll I'll open up that app and I'll go through. You know, the first time after the first set in between, I'll look at the daily prayer. Yeah. Then I'll read the readings, and then I might do the office. Uh, at the end, you know, towards the end of my workout when I'm done, it's just quiet. I'm just kind of calming down before I go inside and take a shower, before I get ready for work. 
And I find that that's a good time. Yeah. Sometimes it's right after I take a shower, make a cup of coffee, come downstairs, sit in front of my home altar, just when there's quiet. It's yeah. so hard to sometimes, when you're a parent, there's never quiet in the house. Yeah. Unless it's super late at night or super early in the morning. Yeah. And you just kind of have to make that time. Yeah. And, and that's the key is making that time. So if you're going to say, well, I'll fit my prayer in around my schedule. No, you're not going to get it done. No. You have to make that your priority. You know, I'm not good about getting up in the morning. I'm not a morning person, never have been, never probably will be. But, um, you know, after my first mass of the day, if it's an early mass, I will get up uh, at, after I come home to the house because uh, the mor first morning mass for me is at eight o'clock normally. So I can come home after mass, uh, get a cup of coffee, and I can just sit in my recliner in my living room. And that's where I do my morning prayer because it's quiet. Um, all I have is Henry sitting on my lap um, and with a nice cup of coffee. And I Henry's can do my dog, prayer. Henry's your dog, by the way. Yes, Henry's the dog. Yeah. yeah. If people don't follow me on social media <laughs> and, and think, what the heck, who's this Henry guy? Just follow me on social media anywhere. Boyd Space, Father Boyd Space, wherever you want to find me at. But yeah, Henry is my beagle. And, and he's a lovable dog, but um, he's also very needy. So uh, he has- They to, all are. They are. All dogs are. But uh, it's just me and the dog sitting there praying my morning prayer or, you know, then at night, the evening prayer, midday, whenever I get a chance to sit down to pray, I, you know, do that. And it's just him and me and God. And it's just a nice little time to be away. But you have to plan that out first thing in the morning. Sure. Yet, And even sometimes the night before, you got to say, okay, when I get up tomorrow, I'm going to go over, celebrate mass at eight o'clock. And then, uh, you know, my mass takes me 25 minutes for daily mass because of communion and all that. And so then I know by 845, I'm back in my living room with my cup of coffee doing my prayers. And then my day doesn't start till 9 a.m. for any other things. I try to, you know, you have to set your schedule mm -hmm. because if you don't, as we know, it just never gets done. Yep. So the first part of discernment is prayer. And, and it's not just the personal prayer. That's what we've been really talking a lot about. It's also extremely important that we go to mass. Yes. And as often as we can, Absolutely. especially if, if you are a young man thinking about priesthood, or if you are a young woman thinking about um, religious life and uh, specifically in the convent, you know, you want to go to mass because it's through the communal prayer of the church that we're going to be able to hear God's voice in a very different, very alive way. You know, we talked about in our podcast on the Mass, uh, find that one if it's out, and if not, it'll be coming out soon. So, you know, we talk about how that public prayer is so important, and it's not just the prayer that we have of, you know, it has to all be internal. Well, no, 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 the Lord calls us to public worship to be with Him in the world. And so the first step is to be with him at the mass, which is the public worship of the church. And that's another wonderful way to hear him speaking to us. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember in seminary, um, there was a time when we were, uh, we were at mass and the gospel reading was the feeding of the 5,000. And I remember just hearing God's words spoken you know, Jesus is speaking in the gospel to his apostles and Christ says to his apostles, have them sit down. And for some reason that resonated with me, and that phrase resonated with me. And I kept thinking about that for a while, brought it to my spiritual director. It was within the mass that that came to fruition. And now let's think about it. In the gospel, in that specific gospel passage, Christ is saying to his apostles, have the people that we're about to feed sit down. And what is it that we do at the mass, but we sit 
we're at a meal, we're together. And who's the one that has the people sit down to recline at table? It's the priest. So, I mean, there's all these different ways that the Lord can use what we're experiencing to be opportunities for discernment. Mm -hmm. But we have to be open to it. So if we're closed off to it and say, listen, this is how I'm going to live my life. You know, I'm going to be this great, famous YouTuber, and I'm going to make millions of dollars. And that's I, exactly what we're doing right now. That's right. That's right. You know, you people are going to make us millions of dollars. <laughs> I'm going to be rich and I'm going to be, no, that's not, you know, that's another thing about this vocation is, you know, you don't do your vocations because you know, it's going to bring you great money or anything right. or fame. Right. It comes down, if, if it comes down to what's in it for me. Maybe that's not the right way to discern yeah. whatever it is that you're trying to discern. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, but in the same breath, you know, if you're just focusing on self and deciding on um, exactly where we are trying to go with this for myself and I I'm going to become this rich and famous person, I'm going to be so dang special. No, 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 that, that's, that's a mistake. So listening to that inner voice, you know, uh, in Lumen Gentium, which is one of the documents of the church, it says deep down within man, there is this um, innate part of us that has been implanted by God. It's not something that you and I can put there, not something that you and I can change. It's deep down within us. And that's where we would call what we'd call our um, soul or our conscience. And it's what guides us. And it's given to us by God telling us, do this, avoid that telling us to do the good of the Lord. And so we have to pay attention to that voice. But if we never pay attention to it, if we ignore it, if it's too quiet, um, because we've we've shut it out by filling up all the emptiness with noise, then we can't actually hear what the Lord is calling us to. And then you end up doing all sorts of things that probably isn't Christ-like, probably isn't something that we should be doing as Catholics, as Christians. And you see this, I think, more and more every single day yeah. in our society. Yeah. And we're going to have an episode on, you know, how to eventually on how to live out uh, your Catholic faith in a secular, ever increasing secular society. But you look around, especially young men. Yes. Oh my goodness. They're wandering around. They have nothing, nothing to help guide them. They're depressed. Yeah. Um, they, they're doing, they're making horrible choices. Um, and, it's not a knock on video games at all because I don't think it's part of it. No, but maybe, but, but something you know, if you're sitting at home, literally doing nothing but playing video games all day, living in your mom's basement, then you, you need someone to to help guide you, yeah. and that's not going to come in whatever you're doing right now. No, you need something. You need a greater power for that, and that's and that's God, and that's Christ. And if you're not listening, you're never going to hear that. And the biggest thing is, is you know, okay, so. There's three things that I really want to hit on that because you made a really good point and I agree 100% with you, you know, not a knock on video games, being that I play video games and- Sure, I mean, it's a, it's a hobby for something. It's a hobby. It can be a hobby. The thing is, is when it becomes our focus and yes. all we do is we focus on it yes. and that is key. I know so many people who go to work, they work their eight hours, yep. they go home, they just, all they do, they turn on their TV or they turn on their Xbox or whatever it is and they play until one or two in the morning, yeah. go to bed and repeat every single day. That's all they do. And that's not healthy. 
Yeah. You can have some great relationships. Like if any of my friends from um, England are watching or ever listening to this, it's, it, you know, I have a lot of great relationships with people that way, you know, that I would have never met from Australia or, um, you know, England or uh, other parts of the United States, things like that, you know, mm-hmm. great people. But the key is there is that we all also have lives outside of it. Yeah, you have to. Because as Christ calls us, when he calls us, he doesn't say, sit there and do nothing. No, no, he says, go out to all the world and proclaim the good news. Mm-hmm. Now, you can use those types of activities to evangelize. You know, you can be on Facebook as we are, and you can be on social media as we are, both personally as well as our podcast. We can be using those means of evangelization. You know, it's funny because um, I'm friends with these people all over the world, but they don't realize that I'm a priest half the time. Right. And then they well, say, that's, yeah, that's your way of evangelizing. Yeah. And then they say to you, so what do you do? I'm like, well, I'm a Catholic priest. And someone said, someone got really defensive. I said, listen, you know, I'm not, I'm here to play, you know, whatever Minecraft or, you know, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. I'm here to play video games. I'm not here right now to talk about <laughs> Jesus. But then what is amazing, it's beautiful because then I get people saying, they just start, they tell you all their life's problems mm-hmm. and they feel that they, there's just this very innate gift of being able to hear someone and talk with them and have a conversation with them. And it's, I don't think I'd have that opportunity if the, you know, well, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm an IT person. Well, they're not going to open their hearts to you. Right. Right. They might, but probably not. But then I also have the limited training that I have, but I have that spiritual training that I can guide them be like, yeah, that, that really stinks. That's not cool. But you know what? We're here. We're with you. We love you. And we're going to take care of you, and and that's the first key is is following that experience because Christ is calling us to that. So having those experiences is the first sort of way um, that you really need to be focusing because you can use these experiences to evangelize, but you also have to be listening. Yes. Yeah. So. So what other what other ways could people discern? Uh, I guess their vocation. The major thing that I was going to, I was thinking about is pay attention to who you're around. I wanted, yeah, I wanted to touch on that. Because as we talked about in our brotherhood podcast, but in general, you know, we need to pay attention to who we're spending our time with. Yes. And if we're spending time with people that um, detract, degrade, bring us down, you know, make our lives miserable, if we're only paying attention or only spending time with those types of people, we're kind of wasting our time. And what we need to be paying attention to is who builds us up. Mm-hmm. Christ is someone that builds us up. He never puts us down to build himself up. So if we're only with people who that are putting us down, we we need to focus on our relationships that are healthy and life bringing. So we have to pay attention both to our relationships with others because yeah, you know, you might be in a relationship where someone is really negative but you're also helping them out of that negativity, but you also have to pay attention to your own life. But if life. they're dragging you down in a neg- negativity, right. then that's a different If they're story. calling you to do mm-hmm. sinful things, mm-hmm. then it's a waste. It's not healthy. And maybe it just means you need to say to them, okay, I'm friends with you, but I'm not doing that anymore. You know, guys, if, you're, if your best friend says you need to go out drinking all the time and has nothing better to do, or you're going to strip clubs or you're doing this or that, and they want you to do things that you know are bad, you know, not in and of themselves, like drinking isn't in and of itself bad, but if that's all you're doing, maybe you really need to rethink yeah. that relationship. Yeah. 
Hey, I think this is a good time to take a break. I and agree. When we get back, uh, you mentioned uh, briefly at the very beginning of the show about being single. Yeah. As a vocation, God could be calling you to be a single person. And I kind of want to touch a little bit more Absolutely. on that because I yeah. think it's very important. Yeah, we ignore that one often. So let's, yeah. after a break, we will be right back and talk about the single vocation. All right, hang in there. So the single life. So I think the easiest way to really try to start talking about the single life is to make some distinction of what it's not. Okay. So being in the single life is not be just being a bachelor or bachelorette. It's it's one way to look at it is it's you're actively seeking out God's will for your life. And we often think in our um, culture, this this hookup culture of, you know, oh, he's a bachelor, she's a bachelorette, and, you know, just running around with whoever trying to figure out who it is that you want to spend the rest of your life with. And that's not at all what God is calling us to do. You know, when we're trying to discern who we're actually supposed to be living our life with, who we're supposed to be uh, spending the rest of our time with, whether that is to be single for our life or to, um, you know, follow through to the uh, priesthood or religious life or maybe even get married. Or just be single for a portion of your life. Exactly. It's not about running around and hooking up with as many people as possible. And again, it comes back to being selfish, yeah. doing what you want to do or doing what God calls you to do. Right. Uh, very. Those are very distinct. Now, you can want what God wants you to do, and that, I think, is whenever you are— You've discerned your vocation when you're at least doing a good job of listening to what God calls you to do, and you willfully uh, act upon that as something that you want to do. Yeah, uh, and you see that you, especially when it comes to single people, it can be very hard. Especially we going back to talking about secular society today is everyone has expectations that if you're single, one there's probably something wrong with you. Yeah, especially if you're past, you know, if you're past your mid twenties, yeah. oh, you're not dating, you're not married yet. Especially once you're in your thirties, especially for women, there's always a stigma that if you're single and you're, you know, you're in your thirties that there's, yeah, there's something wrong with you. There's a reason why you're not married. Well, ignore those things because those don't matter. It doesn't matter what other people think, uh, for one. And two, uh, what are your, what are your friends doing, uh, in their lives? Yeah. Are they happy? They might be in a relationship that they're not happy with because instead of discerning their vocation, they found, you know, the, the person who, you know, they slept with a couple of times and then, you know, had a kid and it felt like they had to get married. Yeah. Uh, so and God calls us to do different things at different times of our lives. And this also, I think, uh, goes in uh, with same sex, same sex attraction. Yes. Uh, you know, the we don't... Uh, we don't approve of um, same-sex acts. Right. So if you have that attraction, uh, God calls you to you know, live out a single, a single chaste life. Yeah, say a chaste celibate life. Yes. Because we, gotta, we also have to understand what exactly, well, first of all, let's define um, uh, chastity. Because mm -hmm. we're all called to chastity. Yeah. Even in a marriage, someone is called chastity. And, you know, that's because you will not, as Vince, you will never be able to have sex with any other woman for the rest of your life, mm -hmm. you know, or for as long as Cassandra's alive. So sure. the point is that, you know, your marriage is for life. Yep. And so you need to be chased towards those other women. Yep. I need to be chased towards the, all the women in my life. 
And what does that mean? You know, that's some people say, oh, you, you, chastity is, it's old, it's old news. Well, it's not because it's living out that call to respect, you know, uh, the, the, um, pro woman and which is good you know it's good to have the pro woman things like that but the pro woman lies that are being said is that um the men have to be chaste but the women can do whatever they want well that that's a lie because chastity flows both ways right so men needs to be chaste in the way that they act and the way that they think and the way that they um talk and look and things like that but women do too, mm-hmm. right? Same thing with uh, the way that the women dress and the women talk. You know, you can't, going back to the Super Bowl halftime show, you know, there's this part of the, the act where they're using ropes and acting like they're being tied up. And like, that's just, that's wrong. That's wrong on so many levels. You know, we're saying to our young women, it's okay to be tied up like Use that. yourself as an object. Yeah. yeah. But but the minute that the men actually do what the women want, then they're the bad guys. I'm not saying that the guys should be doing that kind of stuff. It flows both it's, ways. It's wrong on all levels. There. Yeah. <laughs> and so understanding this this whole hookup culture and making or paying attention to that so that way we're not talking about um, dealing with issues where, uh, um, you know, you're running around and, oh my gosh, now I'm pregnant. And, you know, my favorite line is when people come up to me and say, Father, we have a we have a problem. Well, what's the problem? I'm pregnant. I'm not married. Well, I'm not seeing a problem here. You know, you should be grateful your body's working the way it's designed to do it. So, you know, that's the key. You have sex, you have baby. You know, if you actually pay attention to what is the point of sex, sex equals baby. If you put anything in between, sin. And sex outside of marriage, sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, fertilization equals baby. You cannot change. <laughs> it always works that way. So, you know, you you can't just, oh, it's a mistake. Well, no, it's not a mistake. You know, you should be grateful that your body's working because there's a lot of people that That's would, true. would love that. So the point is that we have to really focus on why we're doing things the way we're doing it. We need to pay attention to our motives. And so this hookup culture is one that is destructive. This hookup culture is one that is uh, destroying ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so being single doesn't have to be dirty. It doesn't have to be embarrassing. It doesn't have to be something where we're worried, oh my gosh, people are going to think horrible things about me. You're looking at a you know, 38-year-old, 28-year-old virgin um, right here. So the point is that, you know, people think I'm weird because I never had sex. And I never will, but I've given that up for Christ. And one thing that a very, a, a great benefit of being single is having the time to pray Yeah, as much as you want, having the time to do things that glorify God as much as you want. Yeah. Um, it is once you've gotten married and you have had kids, as I mentioned before, it's it is difficult. You have to find other ways to do it. But when you're single, you have so many other opportunities. You know, you, you can go to adoration at eight o'clock at night because you don't have to worry about putting your kids right. to bed. You, you can do all these things. Um, you can go to confession is you know once a month without accidentally missing because something's going on with the kids. Right. There's you know the, the, you can go to uh, to mass during the week. There's so many other things that you can do. You can pay attention to mass. Yeah. A lot more on Sundays because yeah. you don't have kids running around the pews. There's, there are so many benefits to being single uh, in living out of ca- your Catholic faith that way. Yeah. So it, don't think of being single. If you are single and you're just thinking, well, I got to find the right mate. Well, 
maybe the Lord is calling you to something else. Maybe he's calling you to pay attention to your relationship with him. And so paying attention to that isn't a bad thing. Paying attention to him isn't a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So if someone's trying to tell you, oh, you, you know, you're messed up because you're not married. Oh, yeah, you have to get married. You have to get married or you have to have these yeah, 2.5 children by the time that you're 29. Well, no, well, maybe the Lord is calling you to something else. Yeah. And so it's not something to be afraid of, not something to be worried of. And uh, often I think that's the one that gets forgotten the single life mm-hmm. so much because we focus on other things. We focus on, um, you know, you, you get, you, you grow up, you go to college, you get your degree, you get some sort of job and then you get married and have kids. That's the American dream. And it doesn't, it, that's, that doesn't fit fully with the church's understanding. Yes. And that doesn't fit fully with what other people even want to do. Not yeah. everybody wants to do that. It's not cut out for everybody. Right. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. So it's not, and like we said, it's not just a state of life. So your vocation isn't just your state of life. It's also what you do to build up the community around you and around the church. And so your vocation can be that you are a single person and you are working with the youth. Sure. What a great opportunity, Mm -hmm. you know, to be a youth minister, to, you have your, if you're young, um, to have that youth and also be able to dedicate your time. I don't know how you'd be able to be a youth minister and have your family and no, work. I can't. And you know what? I've, I've heard a lot of uh, stories of couples who were unable to have kids Yeah, that took their time and devoted basically their whole lives into youth ministry uh, in, in dealing with children because they weren't able to have kids of their own. They were to help raise other children uh, in the faith because of that. And that's their vocation. And, you know, people say, well, if you're going to stay a single male for your whole life, maybe you should just become a priest. I want to tell you right now that if you're called to be a single male, be a single male, because there's things that you can do that I can't. I don't have the time in the world to be able to do everything. And so you're going to be able to do things that I'm not going to be able to do. You couldn't become a... Uh, a speaker, a Catholic speaker, right. and travel the whole world giving speeches. Unless you're Father Larry Richards, but that's oh, another sure. story. You know. <laughs> but, you know, and uh, maybe someday, you know, you and I can go on the road and do those things. But the point is that you're right. I don't, I, I have a parish that I have mm-hmm. to maintain and, and yeah. take care of. And I have a flock that I have to take care of. And not only um, in that sense, but, you know, what about, I can't become a politician. I can't become a politician as a priest. So that's another way that as a single Catholic, you could, I mean, yes, a married uh, politician, the world would see them as a better fit, but still you can live out your vocation in a way in politics Mm -hmm. because we need to bring our faith into the world, the realm of politics as well. We sure do. And um, not only into politics, but into um, humanitarian efforts. You know, there's things that you can't do as uh, a priest not just because your bishop says no, but because you don't have the time. Mm-hmm. So there is always a benefit, but there's also always a loss to every vocation. And it's not a bad loss. Sometimes it can be a good loss. Well, there's sacrifices in everything Absolutely. that you do. And, and that's a good thing to yeah. pay attention to. It's, it's good to sacrifice things. Because if you, if you get used to never sacrificing anything, then that leads to selfishness. And the first time you're uncomfortable, you're going to do whatever you can to get out of that situation. Exactly. And you may run. So say it's you've never had to sacrifice anything. You find someone, you get married, and the first time that you have a fight, you freak out. And I know a lot of people who do this, and they get divorced. Yeah. Sometimes just months. I they, my, my wife knows somebody yeah. who three months into their marriage got divorced. And that's it's because there's there was poor... Um, preparation on both mm-hmm. sides. 
Yeah. So, and when I, if I could, I would imagine there were no sacrifices made yeah. because they wanted to live as comfortably as they can. And as soon as they had to make a sacrifice for one, one another, they couldn't do it. Yeah. Uh, and so going back to what you said about, you know, about loss. So, so what are some of the things? Well, let's think about this pretty obviously. So as a priest, my, one of the losses is I'm never going to have a biological family. I'm never going to have my own children. I'm never going to have a wife. Um, I'm always going to be um, a single male, mm-hmm. um, not a bachelor, something completely different. You know, I, I am set aside as a priest for the church, but I will never have a family. But that, uh, you know, so that's a, uh, um, that's a loss on my part, but that's a gain on your part. So you, your loss as a married male, you won't be able to offer the mass. You won't be able to administer the sacraments um, in the same way that I can. Sure. But you gain a family, mm-hmm. which can be a positive and both a negative at the same time. So, I mean, you know, so it's a positive for me in not having family because here's here's the better part. Um, if grandma, here's here's a really good argument for celibate clergy. I'm not saying anything against anything going on with the world and whatnot, but um, let's say grandma is 99 years old and your grandma's in the hospital and you call the priest, but let's say I'm married. Okay. And my wife, Susie Q, um, she answers the phone and says, well, he can't come today because he's missed uh, date night three times this month uh, with me and you're cutting into my date night. Well, you know, you got to pay attention to both aspects of your life right. or even better. Uh, I'm married and I have kids and it's my kid's Christmas recital and um, there was an accident and I'm now missing my kid's Christmas recital. And how is that going to go over at home? Exactly. Daddy skipped my recital again. Well, I'm sorry. I had to go help grandma out. You know, So I, I know you don't want, uh, you've expressed not really exactly wanting to talk about the Amazon Senate on here, but yeah. I will because it's my podcast. <laughs> true. True. This <laughs> is your you, podcast. And, and you don't have to, you don't have to say anything, but I love what you said there because that goes right into the arguments for married priests in the Amazon. Yeah. Uh, one, they were thinking about using uh, older men who are established, have families, uh, who are much older, maybe the kids are growing up and all these things. Well, whenever they were talking about the different kind of areas they'd have to go to, you know, you, you, you're going to get an old man in a helicopter to fly right. to all these different places. Right. No, he's not. He's going to be unable to do it. And then the same goes for a younger married man. Uh, he's going to have a family and he's right. not going to be able to do right. to travel to all these extreme places. And if and you want, for so if you want another, um, you know, talking about this topic, if you want another thought process, why um, are we thinking that, married clergy is going to fix our problems when if you look at other denominations of Christianity that have permitted married clergy, why are they not flourishing? You know, mm-hmm. or or even within our own Catholic church, the Eastern Rite, the Byzantine Rite yeah. churches permits married clergy, even in the United States. So there are Catholic priests that are married and have families. Mm-hmm. Um, there are even Catholic priests that are married and have families that are in the Roman Rite. So the question is, why isn't that flourishing? They have the permission to do it. Why are their churches not flourishing? Well, let's think about this. Another thing. How much money do you think I make, Vince? Not a lot. No. $28,000 a year. Is that all? That's all. Now, some people say, but father, you don't have to pay for room and board. That's lovely. But now put a family into it. How do you expect me to raise a family with $28,000 a year? Well, someone said to me, well, father, you just your wife would just have to have a job. Well, that's not for you to decide. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you want to raise the kids. What if your wife, like your wife, what if they want to stay a stay-at-home parent? Right. And uh, how many kids do you want to have? Because exactly. Say you got five kids, you got to pay for childcare for all of that. So it better, you know, when your wife's working, that better equal out to above that. So you're yeah. at least making some more money. Yeah. And even then, you're not going to make a whole lot more money. No. I know when my my wife was looking into it, we we're like, we could do daycare for X amount, and you can go back to, to work, and we can break even. Yeah. Uh, and, or you can raise the kids the way we want our kids to be raised, uh, and still break even, I suppose, because you're not working and there's really no loss. Right. Uh, and that's what we chose. And so that would be a decision that if I were married, my wife and I would make, not sure. for my congregation to make for my wife. Yes. And another thing is, so then if that's the case, who's going to pony up to pay me the af- appropriate amount of money? Mm-hmm. And then to put your kids through school if they choose that. That's right. And, oh, yes. So, you know, there are lots of reasons. Now, to be devil's advocate on the other side, having married clergy in our part of the world, well, that might help because the deacons that I have in my parish right now um, – all three of them are uh, older. Most of uh, two out of the three, their kids are older, so they could devote their life to being priests in that area. But they're also older. Mm-hmm. They have lived an entire life. They want to retire. I'm not certain that they want to pick up the amount of work that I'm doing on a daily basis. Okay, so let's look at it this. Before. Okay, so another argument for, and then we're kind of getting off track here, but. I, if this is a fun conversation. It's a vocation talk yes. because it's talking about, and there's a reason why I think that this is fits perfectly into vocations because there's a distinction between priest, deacon, and bishop. Yes. And the church makes a clear distinction on that. And why? Because they have specific roles. Let's talk about deacons real quick. Yeah. Again. So in our diocese, you have to be what, 35? It, it crosses the board. You have to be, uh, okay, it, you have it's, to be, it's all over. 35, yeah. 35. So or how maybe many, 36, but how, still. How many. So, and how many years before you become a deacon, if it, the fastest path? It's uh, it five years. I think in our, well, right now in our diocese, it's, it's postponed, but six years, I think. Six years. So you're going to be 40, you'd be 41. Well, yeah, essentially between 40 and 41, somewhere okay. there. So how many 40, 41 year old deacons do you know of? Not many. Are they, is it because they're too busy? Yeah. Because, yeah. so, so yeah. let's, so, so why are we talking about married priests? If the priests, if, if the deacons are going to be too busy, then the then the same men who would maybe be discerning the priesthood as married and with kids would be too busy as well. Right. Cause that's the other thing about the Amazon synod. They said is that they were looking at people who were already ordained deacons, not accepting men straight into seminary because, sure. okay, now here's another thought process, Vince. You want a priest that is well-versed in theology. Do you not? I do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you don't want someone that just went to night classes, uh, once a month. No, no. Um, a priest vocation requires him to go to school for six to eight years. Yeah, I know you were in school for a long time. Eight years, because I did four years of college and four years of grad school. If you went in with a bachelor's degree, and that's the thing, is it has to be a bachelor's degree. If you go in with a bachelor's degree, it takes six years on top of that. And it's not six years of night classes or six years of once a month meetings. It is six years of, you know, uh, fall through spring two semesters of classes plus summer work. Yeah, it's a lot of work. So I I don't know a guy that's in his between 30 and 40 because you could start your classes and be ordained after that. It's about the ordination date. You have to be over um, 
36 to be ordained. So you could start oh, okay. your classes so you like start at, 30. at 30 years old. Right. And, okay. and then be ordained at 36. So, okay, so even better. So how many 36 year old? Well, that's my exact point. So someone between 30 and let's say even 50, mm-hmm. let's just go that far. Those 20 years, do you as you're what, 29 I am 29, yeah. Okay, so you're going to be 30 here so, uh, within... So tell me, would you be able to go to school um, night and day uh, from um, August through May? Not without neglecting my family and losing my full-time job to support us in that whole process. I don't know anybody that would be able to do that. I don't. Well, and then what well, someone said, you know, well, then the church would just have to change how they trains, train their priests. How? Yeah. Do you do you want wishwashy uh, catechesis, which we've priests? already had for years, or do you want the 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 best trained priests that you possibly can? Right. That's what I would rather have. And so this all fits back into vocations, which yes, it may have gotten a little bit off of topic, but the point is that if we want to have a good vocation. We need to pay attention to what the Lord is calling us yeah, to. Absolutely. And the Lord isn't calling everybody to be priests. He's not calling everybody to be deacons. He's not calling everybody to be a married man. He's not calling everybody to be a married woman. He's not calling everybody to be a nun or a monk. He has a plan for our lives, for you, for me, for you. We each have our own vocations. They might have similar paths. I'm called to be a priest. You're called to be married. Someone out there might be called to be a nun or religious or to be single. The Lord is calling you to a specific path. And then from that path, you can have little offshoots. But you have to pay attention to where the Lord is calling you. It's not going to be, you know, he doesn't always hit us over the head with a holy two by four and tell us, this is what you're going to do with your life. No, it happens to some people. Sure. I know some people who've had a very easy, it sounds like you had a Somewhat easier discernment. You've the discernment was it. easy, absolutely. The discernment is easy, but the then process was hard. The process can be difficult, yes. you know, and that's where true discernment needs to come in, and that's where true prayer needs to come in. Mm-hmm. Because if you are discerning and you're actually paying attention to the word the Lord's calling you, yes, the path might be difficult, but He will get you through it. Yes. And so, yes, we we, devol- we diverged onto the topic of uh, the Amazon Synod and married clergy, but the whole point is, is that the Lord isn't calling everybody to be everything. He's calling certain people to certain things in our lives, and so we need to pay attention to what he's calling us and to. And it doesn't matter how minuscule it may seem to you. Right. You know, like I, like I mentioned at the beginning, it could be your vocation is to help the homeless once a month at the homeless shelter. Because every, you're so busy and everything else that you're doing, uh, or that's just what God is calling you to do, uh, because you're going to affect somebody some way, yeah, uh, through Him. So I think that's all that we have uh, the time for today. Uh, is there anything else you want to you want to hit on? Keep keep praying, keep yeah. praying. So um, as, as you've uh, seen now, we've uh, this is going to be our third episode on YouTube. Uh, and hopefully we will have some on Facebook as well. So uh, if you're listening audio-wise and you, you've you been wanting us to go video, head over to YouTube and subscribe to our channel at Encounter Mercy Podcast. Um, our Twitter page is lacking. So if you're a Twitter user, head on over there uh, to our Twitter account. I think it's just Encounter Mercies. Or, no, 
Oh, no. it's Mercy Encounter. Mercy right? Encounter. Mercy yeah. Encounter is our Twitter handle. If you head over to Encounter Mercy, that's the uh, Divine Mercy Encounter Retreat Program here in the diocese. Oh, that's uh, right. That's someone right. that I, you know I'm a part of, and Father Dan Hoffman, who came on our podcast, he's a part of as well. Uh, check them up too. You know, hit them up if you want to go on a retreat. If you're looking for something um, like a spiritual boot camp, almost like is you know it's a um, three day retreat. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it's worth it if you're looking for something to do. Encounter Mercy uh, podcast is not affiliated with Divine Mercy Encounter, but something that we, at least I, uh, encourage you to think about too. So. so, yeah, so Mercy Encounter, is it Mercy underscore Encounter or just Mercy Encounter? Go to our f- website. Yeah, it'll be on our website, but go to Twitter and, and yeah, we need some love over there for sure. Instagram, I'm actually really surprised. Our followers just keep growing and growing and growing. Yeah. Uh, so if you're not on there, head over there. Uh, we post some uh, some photos throughout the week. Some of them are funny. Some of them are just I have to do with our podcast. And uh, yeah, uh, we have a Facebook account that you could follow. And of course, there's always our website, www.encountermercy.com, where we have all of our latest episodes. You can also listen to all of our episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. So uh, whether that's uh, Apple, Google, um, whether it's uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Spotify, uh, we are across the board, pretty much. You can even ask Alexa, and I said Alexa, to play Encounter Mercy. Just say, hey, Alexa, play the Encounter Mercy podcast. And she'll go ahead and play it. So hopefully I didn't trip yours up if you're listening uh, without headphones. So I think that's all we have. So everybody, have a good one. See you later. Peace. Peace.